All right. On my rubber, at the very bottom, Talitasim base. On my rubber, Pshitali. It is obvious to me that Mayim Agabe Mayim, Hainu Hanachos. Say somebody carries some water out in Tershus Arabim, um, or even better, say somebody carries a cup, takes a cup in Tershus Arabim, and he scoops it full of water, he dips it into a big, uh, some body of water, picks up some water, and goes and places that water somewhere else. So Hainu Hanachasa means that the, previously the water that was all sitting there was in the state of Hanacha, it was in the state of being placed down. It's as if it were sitting on the ground. Um, and even though it's not really you know, sitting on the ground in a conventional fashion, it's sitting on some other water, that's called being put down and when you pick something up from that state, uh, it's a perfectly workable situation of picking something up and then hence later putting it down. Now, say you have a nut floating on the water. That's not called down. Floating on water, that's not a proper placement of things. For water itself, it's one thing. But for a foreign object floating on water, that's something else entirely. So now, boy, Rav, Rav asks, Ego the cleats of Agave Mayim. Say you have a nut, and it's sitting in a sitting in a jar. And the jar is floating on the Mahu, what's that? It's interesting question. We say, we should go after the nut, after all the nut uh, placed. Happily, comfortably in a in a jar. Do we look at the jar in which the nut is placed? Which, after all, floating on the water, and we've already said that for an object floating in the water are not considered placed down. Says Gemara, that's a good question for which I don't know the answer. Take we are stuck. Now, what about if you have a, a big uh, puddle of wine, a container of wine, and oil is floating on that wine? And then someone goes and picks up some of the oil. So that is a machlekes of Yechem ben Nuri Virabon. It's actually a machlekes Tanayin the Tan. Shemen shetzafog abiyayin. V'nogat tevul yoyim b'shemen. Shemen, which was floating, oil which was floating on wine. And a tevul yoyim touched the oil. Now why a tevul yoyim? So Rashi makes an interesting point. Rashi says, if we would be dealing with anyone but a Tavul Yoim, uh, Tavul Yoim has already been to the mikvah. So when he touches something, it's only paisel. It only makes it puzzle, uh, but it doesn't make it tumming. Because Rashi points out that in all the scenarios we're about to describe, if something, if, if, you're, if, if you were someone who was truly tumming, and your contact would make one of the liquids described tumming, then that liquid would go ahead and make the next thing hustle. So there really wouldn't be much to talk about. What we're trying to come up with over here is a, is a case where a person who's tummy uh, in some way, like it's full yoyim, goes ahead and touches something, touches the oil, and the liquid which is under the oil somehow remains tahar. So for that reason, we picked a full yoyim who only conveys the minor, uh, uh, only has a minor impact on what he touches and just makes it possible. So... There's oil floating on wine. A tvulyan touches the oil. Only the oil is possible. However, says, I see them as one unit. And since I see them as one unit, 
um, uh, they're all going to be puzzles. So, so too, Rashi explains for Shabbos purposes as well, um, the Rabbanon see oil on wine as being like an, a nut on water. They, they say there's no Hanukkah there. This is these are two foreign objects clashing with each other. And Rabbi Yechon says no. This qualifies as a Hanukkah. Very well. I'm going to buy it. Bar. A pit, which is Amuka Asara, it's 10 Fachim deep, or Shemoyna, and 8 Fachim wide. So, what does the guy do? The Zarek and he throws a Machatelis, a mat, into it. Now, this doesn't have any special, there are no hidden meanings here. You take a mat, you throw it in there, right? Rashi says, this is Mishun Seifa, we're only saying this because of the next case we're about to say. Uh, just somebody dropping something into a pit in Rosh Hashanah. So since the pit is large enough to be considered its own Rosh Hashanah, you transferred something from Rosh Hashanah and you are over. However, says the Gemara, if he drops the mat deeply, uh, precisely, I should say, right down the middle and divide it into two. And now it's two pits slightly less than of ten Tzachandi, but slightly less than four Tzachim wide, because the width of the mat, since it was exactly eight Tzachim wide, you divide it with the mat, the width of the mat takes up some of the space um, that is necessary for your full Tzachim. And uh, you now have two slightly smaller pits. Um, than uh, than are necessary in order to be chayev. So, pater, you are pater. That's a, that's what a bias says. So that obviously speaks to the discussion at the end of yesterday's daf um, about uh, what happens when you transfer something into a mechitza into a zone which is created only by you transferring. I right? like that when you dig up a piece of dirt from the bottom of the hole, or vice versa. So it says, For a baya who holds, who clearly holds that it's pasha, it's obvious that a machatzelis, a mat, which is not dirt, which is not a piece of ground, um, can be mevatol and mechitza, can, can, can nonetheless render the bar um, a non-functioning bar, even though it was just dropped in the second it became a non-functioning bar. So it's obvious that according to him, a chulia, a clod of dirt that fills in the hole, right? If you take a, a clod of dirt from outside a 10 tefah hole and I fill it in, so at the moment it hits the ground, it's suddenly a 9 tefah hole and you can't be high anymore. So for sure, according to Abaya, right, that's even less of a chiddish because it's dirt. It makes perfect sense that it should uh, contribute to the uh, vanishing of the hole, halakhically speaking. And however, who's not even sure, we saw on Amabes yesterday, about a cholia, about a clot of dirt. So, right? He would never even dream of saying, if he's not sure about a clot of dirt, who knows? Right? For sure, he, uh, he would consider insufficient to be he would say, this is just you dropping a mat into a very large hole. Of a tochem, a tochem wide and ten tochem deep, and of course you'd be fired. Very well. Amar Abai says Abai bar b'shesarabim amuka asar. You have a bar in b'shesarabim, which is a pit which is amuka asar ten tochem deep, b'ruchah la arba and four tochem wide. 
and it's full of water. And you drop something into the water. And this is very interesting. There's a big, deep pothole, and it's full of water. So, uh, you're actually right? Because the water is not considered uh, as if you filled in the hole. We still see, there as, see it as being a hole there. Fact that it's full of water and the thing you dropped is probably floating right there up at the top. We don't care. You still drop something into a deep hole, and therefore it's a it's a real hitzah problem. Says the Gemara. Malaya Paris, if it's full of uh, bananas, bizarre and then I drop something into a potter. Right, my time. What's the difference? The water doesn't make the hole not there anymore, but the payers do. You chose a very unorthodox approach to filling in the hole. You decided to fill it in with bananas, but nonetheless, it is filled up, halachically speaking. Okay, Tanya Nami. How can we learn the bris to this effect as well? Say uh, somebody is driving down the uh, PCH, and he gets close enough to the to the water that he can throw something into the water or vice versa. He's swimming in the Pacific ocean and he decides to throw something onto the PCH. So, um, uh, that choice while unwise is also, uh, is also, um, uh, it also has halachic <laughs> significance, right? He's potter. Why? Because the sea is, uh, the Tanakama holds, the sea is a caramelist. The sea is a makam futur. See is some kind of in between space. However, if the spot in which you into which you threw uh, in the water was at least uh, deep enough to constitute a separate then of course your chayev he doesn't agree with the premise that the sea is automatically a caramelous, and that is the operating um, that is the same operating idea as what we've been talking about, which is that water does not. Uh, constitute a filling in of a hole. The fact that the, the sea is full of water um, doesn't take away from the fact that it's deep enough and wide enough to be considered a Rishasarab. Okay. Oh, this has already come up twice in the Masechta, including yesterday. Somebody who throws um, twice, it's not three times. Someone, uh, this is the third time. Somebody who throws something for Amos at a wall, if it lands above 10 Tfachim high, it's as if he landed it uh, in the air. Which is the it's on the 10 Tfachim Kazerik Bar, it's as if he threw it to the ground. And as Eric Bar, it's Abraham's Chayef. Someone who throws something for Amos and Shazarabim and lands it on the ground is, of course, Chayef. says the Gemara of Where is your Hanacha? It didn't land anywhere. It's a juicy, fat devela. Uh, it's a big, uh, sticky piece of uh, chunk of figs, and it's stuck to the wall. If somebody throws something above ten tefachim, and it goes ahead and it lands in a chur, lands in a hall. So, says the Gemara, that falls into the Machlegas Ramey and the Rabban. The Ramey holds a very mysterious thing. The holds there's something called Chaykikim Lahashlin, which essentially means that if you have a hole uh, in an otherwise uh, unhold 
zone and the hole in theory based on its placement could be deep right if it could be in theory um, uh, deep enough to uh, to uh, to to see it as a specific place if it could if it could be arbitrum right which is enough to qualify it as a specific place in space um, then the individual is going to be high um, right in other words because the core is uh, below assume that the hole goes down below ten so uh, or rather, I should say, even though the hole itself doesn't go down below the 10th fucking line, if you assume, like Rameyer, that we drill down until the hole is fourth fucking large, then um, it would be, in other words, we drill down conceptually, then uh, you would indeed be chayiv if, if that would bring it down below 10th uh, Um that's her mayor, um, the Rabbana, the Amri, and according to the Rabbana, that's not so. Tanya Nami Halchi, we learned that in Bryce like this as well. Zarak, the Maile Measar, the Halcha, the Nacha, the Kolshu, the Mayor Machai, the Chom Patrim. In fact, we have a Bryce which specifically says that in this case, the Mayor holds Yechayim, the Chom Olimot. Great. So our thesis is proven correct. Amar Vivid Amar Rav, Tel Hamislaki. This is a very interesting halacha. Say you have. Um, a gently sloping pile. Asar um, arba. And what does that mean? Imagine that this pile, sometimes you'll see this at like at the end of a construction site, they've piled up a big mound of soil and they make it so, uh, so that the, it sloped gently enough so that the trucks can drive up and down so they can put more dirt at the top of the pile. Um, so imagine that, but on a smaller scale. Imagine that it just is, covers a four ama space and is at least 10 tfachim high. So the question is, that kind of gentle, gradual slope, is that considered uh, like a high spot that has a distinct halachic status or not? So says the Gemara, in fact, somebody goes and throws an item onto the top of that pile, he's that has the status, <coughs> that has the status of... Um, of uh, any other high point in Rishus Rabbim, and it qualifies as Rishus Hayachid, even though a great deal of the space that it covers it is actually lower than 10 Um So, yeah. Okay. So, says the Gemara, so a mavu, if you have an alley which either slopes upwards or downwards out of such a mavu doesn't require a lechi or a kaira because it doesn't qualify already. It's, it's a separate rishas. It doesn't qualify as a rishas Um Or I should say the, uh, the, the height of the slope is enough to qualify it as a, um, a wall. So that proves our principle. says, specifically referring to uh, the tail of the pile we just described, in fact, um, if so, exactly the halacha we just said, if someone were to throw and land something on top of it, he would be fine. Now, new Mishnah. Lots of new missions today. 
somebody threw something uh, within a four amma space, right? He threw it less than four amas. He's in his galgal chutzadar amas. It's a big machlek as we showed him how to understand what happened. Over there. As usual, we're going to stick with Rashi. Um, uh, Rashi says the wind caught it, presumably before it landed, before it landed, and pushed it out into the four amma zone, right? It didn't land outside the four amma zone. But let's say it was a fairly light item, and I threw it out there, and it blew. I threw it three amas, and it blew out an extra ama as it was coming down, and then it went back and landed where I wanted it to land. So, Potter, you put chutzladal amos in amos. If my intent was to throw it outside dal amos, and the wind carried it outside dal amos, and then it landed inside dal amos, I'm sorry, the opposite. Um, if I, uh, I, I, I intended to throw it outside Daladamas, and then the wind carried it inside, and then it landed outside, then I am fine. It doesn't work backwards. Um, okay, he says, uh, There's no Hanacha, right? Why do we, uh, why do we view it as, uh, why do we view it as, uh, as, um, as having landed at all? So says the Gemara, Amr Rabbi Oh, a little twist. It actually landed on something. It landed on an outcrop. It landed on an outcrop. It didn't just end up on the ground. It landed on a small thing, which technically is not really enough to, uh, that, to be considered a Hanukkah. Usually for Hanukkah, you need a certain uh, spaciousness. But in this scenario, it landed on some small outcropping. So Tanya Nami Hafi. We learned in a bright as well, this is the case. Somebody threw something outside of four amas, the wind blew it back in. Even if ultimately it blew, right? In other words, it's coming down and it blows into the Adam's face and then it blows back out, lands on the ground. Potter is going to be Potter. However, um, right? If the wind, uh, if the wind um, froze it in place for a moment, right? Uh, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, I said an outcropping before. But I, I that was a uh, miss. I, I said the wrong thing. Um, in this case, even though in other places in shops doesn't know what we mean here is that the wind freezes it in place for a moment, right? It's like a helicopter; it hovers for a second. So, in that moment of hovering while it's being held by the wind, we consider that to be a hanacha. Um, so, uh, so says the Gemara, right? In that scenario, if that happens, even if it ultimately, uh, quote, lets go of the, um, of the, uh, of the item uh, and lets it go back into the Daladana space, you're going to be high. Very well. Says Rabba. According to the Rabbanon, right? This is a general statement. Rabbanon of Akiva have a machlekes we keep running into. They don't hold of the halacha of the principle of kuta kamisha unchadami, right? They don't hold that something that uh, has entered the airspace of Rishos Arabim or Shleachid has the status of, uh, of, uh, of physically of being put down there. So says the Gemara, um, says the Gemara, says Rava, that uh, they're, they're, even according to the Rabbanon, or rather, you might think, according to the Rabbanon, that they at least concede 
that within three tvachim of the ground, when the principle of lavud kicks in, we consider the item to be placed down on the ground. Says the Gemara, it's not true. There needs to be at least anachal gabi mashu. There needs to be some kind of anachal, some kind of stop, which is preventing further motion of the item. Um, even according to the Rabban, even within three tzvachim of the ground. Okay. Yosef Mareimar v'kamala al-Hashmaitza. Mareimar was reciting this uh, statement. Amalei Ravina l'Mareimar, and Ravina said to him, Lav ha'inamas nisin. You're not saying such a big kiddush. Isn't this just the mission that we just learned? V'yom Rabbi Yechon, v'yishnach ha'gami ma'ashu. That's, you know, it was Rabbi Yechon already gave this year. This is not a new shir. This is the same as Rabbi Yechon's shir. That according to the Rabbanan, in order to be chayiv, there would need to be uh, some kind of stop to the motion, whether it's by the wind or whether it's by it landing on a very small outcropping. So Malay says to know, Miskagal Kamrit, Miskagal ain't Seifilunuach. Something that's Miskagal, something that's being carried by the wind, is not even Seifilunuach because it's being blown to a place where it's not going to ultimately land. Abahai came into Seifilunuach, Abahai came into Seifilunuach, in the situation there, Abahai and Abahai are talking about the item is ultimately going to fall and land in the place where it's falling over. There's nothing stopping that from happening. The only question is whether Kluta Kamish Honchadamia kicks in. Um, uh, once you reach the Lovewood zone of less than three, three tefachim. So it's not such a, the fact that, uh, the fact that Rav is saying that Kiddush um, is a bigger Kiddush, because you might think there are more reasons to say that Lovewood should work as a Hanacha. Okay. Yet another new mission. Hazerik biyam arba amis pater, somebody who throws something for amis and it lands in the ocean. He's pater. Now, or I shouldn't say that, someone who's in the ocean, right? And throws, uh, and throws, uh, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Someone who, you don't have to be in the ocean. I'm not sure why I said that. Um, you throw something, uh, four amas into the ocean, you are a potter. If it was a swamp, sometimes you have like a marshy area and there's a and passes through the marsh. So, that's really like throwing into Rishas Rabbim and your Chayav Akamahu Rikak Maim. And what qualifies as a swamp for these purposes? The answer is Pachis Me'asar Tfachim, anything less than 10 Tfachim, right? Rikak Maim Rishas Rabbim Alech Hazboy. Hazer Kutech Adam is Chayav. A swamp of water and Rishas Rabbim passes through it. Right, so that of course sounds repetitive, and the Gemara is going to address it right away. One of the rabbis said to Rava, "I understand why we said he looked twice. Right, we said uh, uh, um, there's a secret message in there. It's coming to teach us that he looked." That if you're forcing, that even if you have to, it's very unpleasant and difficult to walk through the marsh, but ultimately, if people do walk through the marsh, that qualifies. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm sorry, one second. Um, even though in Rosh Hashanah, when you have an area which is difficult to use, uh, very often we say, that uh, right, see the Rishusarabim and that sort of thing don't qualify as full blown Rishusarabim. However, 
What's the point of repeating the swamp uh, element, the marsh element? There's the summer and the winter. And each one is a separate Had we only said uh, the one, let's say we only said the summer, right? Let's say there was only one repat. We would assume this is a summer halacha. Because during the summer, that sometimes people choose to walk through the marsh anyway because they're so hot. And they say it would be nice if I could at least walk through some nice mud. So, uh, so they choose to walk through the marsh. Um, However, during the rainy season, everyone's already wet and miserable. They're not looking to get wetter. So uh, you would say that doesn't qualify as just around because nobody walks through swamps under those conditions. Had we only said one rakak, and we would think that maybe that one rakak is referring to the rainy season. That's because people are already muddy anyway. It's the rainy season, muddy anyway. So they say, yeah, whatever. So now my feet get a little more wet, who cares, right? However, excuse me, maybe not during the summer. During the summer, people say, yeah, I'm comfortable and I'm dry. Why would I walk through the swamp? And they wouldn't walk through the swamp. So Kamash Malan, the Chiddush of repeating rakak is to tell you that in both scenarios, um, you're still high, in other words, it still qualifies as a Rosh because it's usable. Abaya Omar, Abaya says Istra. I have another uh, I can explain why it's necessary. I would think that this is true. This is the halacha, even if the uh, if the uh, 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 I should say specifically when the swamp is not four amos wide. Once the swamp is four amos wide, people walk around it. They don't walk through it. Remember, sorry if this wasn't clear, clear but if you walk through, right, if we if there's something in Rosh Hashanah that technically could constitute a separate area, but everyone's walking through it, it's just Rosh Hashanah. However, if it's stopping people from walking through it, then it might have a status of a different Rosh so one, you might think that uh, once it's daladamis wide, um, right? In other words, uh, the, those are the two categories of the swamp: a less than a daladamis swamp and a more than a daladamis swamp. Both of them. That's the edge of the mission. When it repeats the word rikak, it's telling us that both of those swamps qualify because people can walk through these uh, marshy areas. Ravashi Omar Ravashi says Ischich. Right? What's dalad here? Means dalad tfachet. Right, I would think that you only you only walk through a swamp when it's at least four tefachim, and right, listen, when it's less than four tefachim, you'll just step right over. Right, so you might think that it's not something you pass through because you can easily step over. Well, this is Ravashi according to his standard uh, uh, line. Say somebody is walking across a bridge and imagine a real old-fashioned like himalayan uh rope bridge which has slats and spaces um running all the way through it so if i throw something and it lands on one of the planks of the bridge you're chayev even though many people not everyone's right sometimes people step over a plank ultimately many people do step on the plank and that is enough to consider it a part of rishas okay yet another new mishnah Somebody throws something from uh, from uh, the sea into um, in, onto the dry land. 
or vice versa, or from the sea to a boat, from the boat to the sea. So all these are examples of somebody throwing something from a Carmelist to a Rishas Harabim or Rishas Hayachid, in the case of the boat. So in all these cases, um, your potter. If the boats are tied to each other, you can actually carry from one boat to the next. Um, if they're not tied, however, even though they are right up next to each other, that's not good enough. You can't do bad carrying. Okay. Says the Gemara Itma. Sfina, a boat. Ravuna, Amar, Moitzin, Heimena, Ziz, Kol, Shehu, What should I do, right? It's an unspoken question. What should I do when I'm trying to load up on water? I'm on a boat and I'm trying to lo- load up on some nice, salty seawater. Says the Gemara. You, uh, you put out a little ziz, a little uh, piece of wood that indicates that you're doing something unique, like for shoe purposes, and you help yourself to water. Uh, we'll, with that. We'll, we'll delve into that in a second. You, make a little, you take a little four by four tefah frame, um, and you put that into the water, and you Use that frame to grab to to uh, to fill up your uh, your full of water. So what's going over here? What's going on over here? Um, when we assess the size of the rishos, we assess it from the sea floor, and the sea floor, right, is many many fucking below us. The right. So at this point, we're way above the uh, sea floor, so you're in a makam p'tur. Ubedin hu diziz nami leliboy, and really, right, so you're transferring from one makam, from, from a makam p'tur. Ubedin hu diziz nami leliboy, and the truth is that really you shouldn't even need these is, you shouldn't even really need that piece of wood, that extra piece of wood that you stick out um, for this, uh, for this purpose, right? The only thing is, the only thing is, you have to make a hacker because we don't want you to get confused and, uh, mess around with this sort of thing on land. What's the difference? So Rashi explains um, that uh, over here, the, uh, because we're, uh, because, uh, the, the, because of the, um, because of the, uh, the, the, when you're talking about a muck and patur of a caramelist, so a muck and patur of a caramelist ultimately is, uh, is in fact um, truly potter, right? It's, uh, it's really totally mutter what he's doing. But if you were doing the same thing, on land, it would be different. Uh, we don't want somebody to end up transferring into an actual Carmelist, right? Uh, so therefore, uh, you have to have a, a something, some item in your in your line of sight that reminds you that you're doing something unusual. They hold You make a frame. You make a little frame. Hopefully, you made it before Shabbos. A frame for Tzvachim by for Tzvachim we measure the size of the Carmelis from the surface of the water. And the water we view as hard, as solid land. So if he wouldn't be making this frame, he would be just doing regular tiltal from a Carmelis, which is forbidden neither abonah. Now, by making the frame, this is Rashi says is a unique etza, right? You can't usually uh, use, if, you have, if you're in a Carmelis, you can't usually just set up a frame a little frame of four by four. That's not enough. You need to make a wall or an, or an air. But um, in this scenario, Rashi says it's special for water. I don't know. Uh, the, maybe you'll see an air how this works. 
I don't know why water is special in terms of mechitzes, but water has special status when it comes to mechitzes, when it comes to making walls, and it can get away with a much lesser type of wall. Okay. According to Rav Huna, who holds that it's sufficient to merely make some kind of hacker and then go ahead and just do whatever you want, this is a very dangerous game because not always is the water deep enough that you're really in a makam pator. Sometimes the water is less than 10 tfachim deep. And then here you are unloading water, so you're still in the Carmelis. And you're unloading water from the Carmelis. We know we have a Messiah tradition passed down. You cannot, uh, a boat needs at the very least 10 Tfachim in order to travel. If you're on a boat and the boat is traveling, then um, you are in more than 10 Tfachim of water. Says the Gemara of Hamursha is slow. The boat, after all, has a bow or a prow. Um, and uh, the prow is lifted up from the water somewhat. In other words, the very front of the boat could indeed be in less than 10 fachim of water. How do you know? Right? In other words, the, the bow is less susceptible to grounding than the, uh, than the rest of the ship's hull. So says the Gemara, Amr of Safra, There are polars, there are people with poles who. Uh, who are usually standing in the bow of the ship, and they, uh, if they see any such shallow uh, land, they push away. That's not the way. Usually, they don't. They don't allow you to get that close. Right. So, according to the opinion that you have to make a little frame and fill up, purely practical question. So, if you're living on board a ship, you generally need a space in which you can throw your schmutz, in which you can throw your uh, Unpleasantness, right? Your waste. So, where do you put it? If you're going to tell me that you toss it into that frame that you built, it's disgusting. That's the frame I use to pull to, to, for, to pull up water for my laundry. Says the Umar, the Shadi Luhu Adafna Desfino. What he does is he goes anywhere else in the boat and he pours out his waste on the wall of the boat and then it flows off. And it's not my problem because it's a Kayak Shani, it's a secondary power that is causing the waste to flow into the water. Says the Gemara, isn't that Kayakha? Isn't that ultimately it's his, it is your strength? Says the Gemara, when you have Kayakha, right, my energy, even though it's not me throwing it directly, it's Kayakha. But it's koychay bekarmelis. It's in a karmelis, right? It's really koych rishon, I suppose. But it's koychay bekarmelis. Since it's all happening in a karmelis, it's permissible. Um, okay, I think actually we'll stop here because the next little, even though the next uh, piece is connected, um, it is going to carry us a good few lines into the afkafalf. Okay. Okay. Thank all right. you. All right. So.